This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series entitled Breaking the Silence, How Speaking Up Enhances Corporate Culture. The series is sponsored by Case IQ. Over this series, I will visit with Charlene Lobby, Jacob Fickner, Kenneth McCarthy, and Merrick Block on different facets of a great speak up regime and how each of those facets will improve your corporate culture. We will tackle such topics as the indicia of a great corporate culture, the importance of triage and internal investigations in improving your corporate culture, non-retaliation and protections for those who speak up, tying your entire system of speak up to improving culture, and we'll conclude with some thoughts on how an entire system of speak up drives corporate culture to better run your organization and at the end of the day make your organization be more profitable. First, a word about our sponsor, Case IQ. Case IQ is the leading provider of modern workplace case management software to handle virtually any type of compliance breach. Case intake, workflow, data centralization, and reporting have never been simpler or more efficient. Whether you're dealing with potential employee fraud, harassment, or misconduct, trust Case IQ to provide clarity and confidence you need to protect your employees, your organization, and your brand. With millions of cases resolved and billions of dollars in litigation avoided, Case IQ can help you make a difference in your workplace. Visit www.caseiq.com to learn more. In this episode, Charlene Lobby joins us to talk about what is culture. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode in our special five-part series. Today, I am thrilled to have with me Kevin McCarthy. Kevin, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Uh, Tom, really, really happy to be here. Thank you very much. Kevin, I wanted to uh, visit with you today about non-retaliation and protection for those who speak up. And I'd like to start with really maybe the basics. What is the importance of this topic in a best practices compliance program? Oh, it, it is so critical. It's one of, uh, one of the three key pieces to any um, speak up program or whistleblower program. Obviously you, you need something in place to encourage people to come forward. Um, if there's anonymity built into it, you need to ensure that. And then there's the non-retaliation piece that is, is absolutely fundamental. Without it, you scare people away. So um, actually, um, what I wanted to do is talk maybe a little bit about, I've got three points I wanted to raise um, that I think are, are really you know part of the importance of it. Um, That's great. One, yeah, one being um, it encourages the reporting of concerns. Um, one being legal and regulatory compliance, and the last one being reputational uh, protection. And I think back to you know some of my government days. I, I worked in government before starting my own business, and I remember I had some dealings with some individuals who came forward as either whistleblowers or, or whatever term you wanted to use. And uh, one of the most disturbing ones that I ever dealt with was a, a sexual harassment case, and it was it was quite rampant, quite serious. And uh, the person who came forward with the complaint and then a number of individuals who supported them in the complaint, they're all women, they, uh, they said to me at the end of this, they said, you know what, 
if um, if I ever had to go through this again, I would not have uh, raised the complaint, and I would tell any young female to just um, keep your mouth shut, just put up with it, and uh, hopefully uh, it'll go away. And what happened in that case is this was a situation where um, we saw retaliation taking place, whether it was overt or, or what have you, it was almost like systemic. And it was an environment where uh, these individuals could no longer work. You know, they tried to do this anonymously to the extent they could. Um, they could no longer work in that work environment with the people that they had been working with before because so much damage was done. So their view was it's, it's best to just keep your mouth shut with these things. Um, there's the perception of, um, and, and sadly, it's because of what we watch on television or maybe going back to, you know, our school, our schoolyard days, uh, the perception of being a rat or a tattletale or a gossip or, or even betraying loyalties when you come forward to share something. It may not be a big deal. It may not be a, a complaint against someone. It could just be an indicator of something. And uh, that's that's really, really important piece that I'll talk about, you know, possibly a little bit later if we have time. You think about an individual who comes forward with a complaint, chances are they're coming forward um, maybe on the worst day of their life. And they're second guessing and, you know, what what's going to happen? Should I do this? Did I imagine this? Did I, did I over, you know, overplay this? Um, the notion of having non-retaliation is so critically important, especially for those people who are doubting coming forward. Um, they're doing the right thing. It's a really, really difficult thing to do. Um, employers have to have to have that non-retaliation um, protocol and process in place to make sure that you don't see people like the situation I described, I've described people getting burned and saying, I don't trust this process anymore. It's all about, you know, the integrity of the process. And an alternative to not actually having the non-retaliation in place is you're going to have people walk away. They're not going to raise the issues. And then unfortunately down the road, you're going to see situations that, that could have been addressed at a much earlier stage and sadly they're not. Um, and so that's the that's the encouragement of, of people coming forward. And if you can get that non-retaliation in place, you can protect people. Um, I saw interesting, I did a little bit of research and I saw there's an interesting US Supreme Court case coming in up, up in October. And it was a person named Trevor Murray versus UBS Securities. And it points back to Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002 and this individual had filed a complaint of something really inappropriate in the securities world, was terminated and have gone through various um, courts uh, in the United States, making it to the uh, Supreme Court in October. And it's a retaliation case. Um, when these are out there, um, it's good that it's out there because it'll resolve the matter. But when these are out there, they can also maybe scare people away. I don't want myself exposed that way. I don't want to come forward. Um, I think of uh, legal and regulatory compliance as well. And I don't know that all employers are really motivated, you know, to do the right thing legally. Uh, unless you get caught, unless you get burned, um, you don't really have any issues there. But and simply put, you know, these sorts of things like protecting uh, against retaliation, it's written into law, it's written into legislation you have in the United States, you have Dodd-Frank Act, you have federal whistleblower protection in Canada, you have Public Servant Disclosure Protection Act, and then various state and provincial pieces of legislation as well that uh, that cover these things. So it's, it's the right thing to do. And I think the only thing that maybe um, compels people is if there's an audit or an evaluation coming up, or certainly if there's millions of dollars at stake in a lawsuit or whatnot, um, that that you know might compel organizations to do the right thing. But bottom line, it is the law in many cases. And uh, the last thing I think about when I just think about the importance of non-retaliation programs is I think about 
just the reputational protection for an employer. Uh, if they're not compelled by doing the right thing um, to encourage people coming forward, if they're not compelled because it's the law, um, hopefully they're compelled by uh, getting it right, getting the right protections in place might make you an employer of choice. You think of everything on social media where individuals can go and provide all sorts of information on employers. Uh, you could have all sorts of really, really bad information out there that you're an employer that doesn't protect people, that doesn't encourage people to come forward. So um, that's kind of the appeal I often make to employers is if the first two don't compel you to, to get it right and get non-retaliation in place, then just think of your own reputation as an employer and uh, your potential loss of people, um, pick leave or whatnot, productivity-wise. So uh, I know that was a long answer for a pretty simple question, but it's an exciting topic to, uh, to talk about. Let me ask you about retaliation itself. You mentioned clearly one form of retaliation, which is termination yes. in the U.S. Supreme Court case. But retaliation can be both more invidious than simply termination and more subtle. So I was wondering if you might say a few words about how can we identify retaliation? Oh, for sure. You know what? It's it's really interesting because um, it, it can be so incredibly subtle, as, as you said there. And uh, I look at it from, you know, typically from my experience, seeing it coming from three, uh, three sources. I see it coming from peers or, you know, colleagues in the form of abuse, isolation and exclusion. And, and sometimes it's it's on behalf of the employer and sometimes it's the individual employees getting together and you know intentionally are not doing things. I see it coming from employers and then I see it coming from industry. So um, I'll give you a quick example of something I'd seen in my career. Uh, I'm in, um, in the provincial, I'm in the Canadian capital, Ottawa, in the province of Ontario. Ontario is a very large province uh, geographically. It's uh, about two thirds the size of, size of Alaska, one and a half times um, bigger than Texas. So it's a pretty big place. And so we have Northern Ontario with a lot of small towns. And I remember a case where it was a true whistleblower complaint where the complainant worked in a very small office in a very small town, did the right thing by coming forward and then saw um, just an incredible, I would define it as retaliation. I don't know that it was ever investigated that way at the end of the day, but they had their peers um, isolating them, no longer having coffee, social things with them. They're in a very, very small town. So you see it actually even spill out into the community, the small town where everybody knows that's the guy that got the other person in trouble. Um, it's, uh, as I said, it's it's um, social interactions, meetings. Sometimes it can be outright bullying and harassment, intimidation from the peers um, to the to the individual employee who had raised the concerns. Um, from the employer themselves, it could be, you know, overtly harassing, bullying comments, whatnot, and, and little subtle things like, you know, performance management process and performance reviews and uh, the, the employer, the manager taking action against a, an individual saying their performance is no longer up to par. It's a pretty difficult thing on both sides to actually, you know, demonstrate if somebody never performance managed someone in the first place, why do they all of a sudden start it? And can you actually say it's in response to it's a retaliation sort of measure? But I actually have seen where managers go from zero to 60 in terms of what they call, you know, performance management after somebody has come forward with a uh, with a complaint. See things like micromanagement. And, and one of the things I've seen is passing over the individual for opportunities. So very subtle. It wasn't your time for this opportunity. This other person is, is better suited for this because of their skills. It has nothing to do with your complaint. 
um, denial of benefits, like a family leave, if something like that were, if someone were entitled to that, demotion, um, and we've seen uh, the example of, of termination as well. And uh, I was looking at thinking about the definitions and, you know, retaliation, it's got a really similar look and feel federally in Canada, US, uh, provincial or state. Um, definitions are all pretty close and they all kind of point to some sort of adverse action against a person that affects their employment or their working conditions because they did the right thing. So that's uh, that's it. And the last thing, industry, I just talked about um, small town situation, could be blacklisting. I live in Ottawa, nation's capital in Canada, a million people here, large city, but also considered a small town. Um, I worked in government, everybody knows everybody. Very quick and very easy for someone to spread the word to someone else that this, you know, this individual is a problem. And so those are the things that I've seen happening and it's quite disturbing, but it's it's real. And then it's hard to really prove things that these things are, are retaliation, but they certainly have a look and feel to it. One of the, uh, at least for me, key things that came out of the Me Too movement was that it's not simply the responsibility of the person who's harassed or discriminated against. It is everyone's responsibility. Yes. That means if I see something, I need to say something, whether it happened to me or not. And legally, we call those people bystanders. Exactly. How do we move to both encourage bystanders to come forward and equally importantly, protect bystanders who do raise their hand and speak up? Yeah, you know, they are such uh, an important part of this whole process. And uh, they're all they're in a horrible position at times because, you know, they may have seen something that they didn't want to see. You can't unsee it. They could have loyalties that are all of a sudden challenged there. Um, so the way I look at it, obviously, um, you know, having really, really strong policies and consequences in place for, you know, if anyone were to violate, uh, you know, somebody violate uh, retaliation against a bystander or any other individual um, and, and having real conversations in workplaces. So it's wonderful to have policies, but then I always had this vision of, you know, middle managers and senior managers sitting down with their staff to talk about just why it is so incredibly important to, you know, raise things, even if they're just little things. It doesn't, you know, my perfect world is somebody doesn't even realize that they're a whistleblower or a complainant. They just saw something that didn't feel right and they just, you know, pass it on to management to take care of. Um, so those real conversations are things that I think can happen, need to happen. There's this perception of whistleblowers and speaking up, and I made reference to Tattletail and Rat. And my experience doing investigations is somebody's accused of something and the first thing they want to know is they want to know who said this, who filed the complaint, who are the witnesses, and then they start kind of working witnesses against one another as well. So it's to really demystify that and make sure everybody knows what the purpose of the thing is. And the purpose of the thing isn't to figure out who said what. The purpose is to, you know, find out find out what happened and then how do you improve. And then there's this whole confidential reporting investigation and aftercare. So we have to make sure that we protect the bystanders for sure, just like we protect anyone else. And make sure then through the process, the investigation process, things aren't unintentionally revealed, you know, by an investigator. I call it the procedural fairness dance. Give enough information, but don't give away everything. There has to be continuous monitoring, finger on the pulse after an incident, and, and then demonstrating you take action. Bystanders are huge. They're so important in the process, and uh, they have to understand just what value they can add to, um, to you know, making the place a better place. It's horrible when you're involved in a situation whether you're a complainant, responding, or whatever. Um, so get them to understand just how important it is. 
the protections that are in place um, for them. And um, that's the, those are my thoughts on that. So Kevin, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for our episode, but I wanted to ask two questions. One is if anyone wanted more information on <clears throat> Case IQ uh, from their perspective, where might they go? And equally importantly is if people wanted more, uh, wanted to reach out to you directly to talk about any of the subjects you have discussed on this podcast, what would be the best way for them to do so? Oh, fantastic, Tom. Thanks. So Case IQ, um, go to the website, caseiq.com. Again, caseiq.com. Amazing organization. I've actually had dealings with them for a bunch of years, and they offer great value in terms of products and also um, information sharing. And myself, um, just go to the website, integritybymccarthy.ca. Again, integritybymccarthy.ca, and you can easily get in contact uh, with, uh, with me. So um, that's how you do it. Well, Kevin, I wanted to uh, thank you again for taking the time to visit with me, and I hope our listeners will join us for our next episode, where I'm joined by Jacob Fickner as we take up triage and investigation of reports. Thanks again, and I look forward to continuing this conversation. All right. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this special five-part podcast series, Breaking the Silence, how Speaking Up Enhances Corporate Cultures, sponsored by Case IQ. Case IQ is the leading provider of modern workplace case management software to handle virtually any type of compliance breach. With millions of cases resolved and billions of dollars in litigation avoided, trust Case IQ to help you protect your employees, your organization, and your brand. Visit www caseiq.com to learn more. This special podcast series has been a production of the award-winning Compliance Podcast Network. If you'd like to sponsor your own podcast series, please reach out to me. I'm Tom Fox. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to visiting with you again.